about Easter, but today's Palm Sunday. This is the day when we remember that Jesus entered Jerusalem on his journey to the cross and ultimately to resurrection. And so I want us to look at that story because I believe that that story, believe it or not, has, has something to do with our sexuality. I believe that as we study the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and, and all of the fanfare and the parade that we're going to see here in a minute that, that surrounded this event, that what we're going to discover is it's got something to do with our lives as well. And it actually is that it's going to present us with some hope beyond what the culture says. So if you brought your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 21? If you didn't, that's okay. The verses are going to be on the screen beside me and you'll be able to follow along there. Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to be starting today because I want us to look at just one passage of Scripture because this tells us the story of what Jesus is up to coming into Jerusalem. Let's look at that together. Matthew 21, starting in verse 8, it says this, A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. While others cut branches, hence Palm Sunday, from the trees and spread them on the road as well. So, so Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and the crowd hears about it. People get wind of the fact that Jesus is coming. And so it says that they begin to, the large crowd begin to form and they spread cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Look what it says. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, here's what we need to know. As the people begin to gather and this parade of sorts begins to take place and they're throwing their cloaks out, their, their coats out in front of him, and they're throwing palm branches down, others are waving palm branches. As Jesus enters the city, they're yelling at him, Hosanna. Now, here's what we need to know. In their language, the word Hosanna would translate into English to mean save. So as Jesus enters, they're yelling at Jesus, save, save. We laugh at that, but here's the, we all do the same thing. Like when you go to a little kid's soccer game and they're all running around out there, you're yelling things like, score, score, right? That's why I'm out here, mom. <laughs> That's why, like, it's like well, I was in uh, Paris in 1992, and I happened to be in Paris the final day of the Tour de France. Crazy, crazy that uh, just the timing of it. We, we were, I was with my high school German club. We went to Paris. I don't know either, <laughs> but it was a good trip. <laughs> Five countries in 12 days. Sweet, I'm there. So we're in Paris on the last day of the Tour de France. And these guys on these bikes are flying. I mean, they're like 40 miles an hour or something ridiculous. I don't even know how many kilometers per hour that is. And they're flying past you. And we're standing there on the last laps of the Tour de France right downtown Paris. And what are we yelling? Go! Go! And it's like, hello, that's what they're doing. They're going. Why are we yelling go? What? What? This is what the people were doing. Jesus was put on this planet to do one thing. Save us. And so as he comes into Jerusalem, how ironic that the people are cheering him on, yelling, do what you've been placed on the earth to do. Isn't that awesome? Hosanna. Save us. There's a new prophet in town. There's a new king in town. There's a new leader in town. Do what you've been brought here to do. Look at the next verse, verse 10. It says this. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. The whole city was stirred. 
And some, some people were asking, who is this? What's going on? And others were answering, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The whole city was stirred. So check this out. They are having a party. Big time. I mean, they're blowing this thing wide open. Why? What, what's, what's the big deal? Why have a party? Why, why get everybody? Because Jesus is here. This is, this is Jesus, okay? This is the guy we've heard about. This is, this is that prophet that, that we've heard stuff about. This is that, that religious leader. This is that king. This is it. This could be the moment. Why were they so excited? Because he's the one who's promising to do something new and amazing in our lives. So this morning, as we look at these few verses, I want to point out just simply three things to us. Three things about these verses. The first one is this. Watch this. We see that there's more going on here than just what meets the eye. I think it's important for us as we look at the story of Palm Sunday and our sex lives, because those two are hand in hand. (laughs) I, I think it's important for us... You'll never believe what my preacher tried to do at church last Sunday. (laughs) He tried to preach Palm Sunday and sex. Let's see how I do. Here's the first thing I want you to notice. We see that there's more going on here than just what meets the eye. Watch. The culture thought that day that Jesus was coming to establish some political movement or, or set himself up as the new king of the region, the king of the kingdom, so to speak. They, they thought that they knew why Jesus was coming, to deliver them from the hand of, of the rulers, the powers that be in their life present. They thought, oh yeah, great, here's this Jesus we've heard about. This is it. He's going to come in and he's going to topple the authorities and take over and establish a new little kingdom right here for us and we can finally live at peace. They thought they knew what was going on. They were taking a short-sighted view of Jesus. But here's what I want us to see. If Jesus had just set up a new earthly kingdom or or earthly sect in that region of the desert, that region of the world, we wouldn't be here today. See, here's what all of us on this side of this occurrence know. We know that Jesus wasn't just coming to establish some little kingdom thing in Jerusalem among a few people. He was entering the city of Jerusalem that day to change the destiny of the entire world. He was coming to bring salvation to the entire human race. See, there was way more going on than just what they were witnessing with their There were probably people there, can't you imagine, who were there for all sorts of reasons. I mean, there were probably people there who were just there for the party and the parade. Like, sweet, oh, Jesus, yeah, I've heard that, like, at parties, he'll turn water into wine. (sighs) Honey, come on! (laughs) 
Right? There were probably people there who needed a miracle. I heard that he can like heal lame people and blind people. There was a kid who was demon-possessed, and he cast out the demon. Honey, our kids are demon-possessed. Come on, grab them. Grab Johnny and Jimmy and get them down there. There, people would probably come for all sorts of reasons. They, oh, Jesus, oh, I heard that this one time he had like at one of his seminar things that he does, everybody got free lunch. I mean, he stole this one little kid's lunch to do it, but then he like prayed over it and it was like, boom. And all, everyone, like 5,000 people were like getting free food. Let's go, honey, quick, free food. There were probably a whole bunch of reasons why people were there that day. Maybe some people were just coming for the parade. Just, I, I need, a, need a break from my job. Just come on, let's go. Sweet. Let's go see what all the hoopla is about. And see, here's what we need to understand. Jesus was fully capable of doing any of those things. When he entered Jerusalem that day, he could have gave everybody free lunch. He could have gave everybody free wine. He, he could have done all of those things that the people probably came out to see him do. But that wasn't why he came. That's why people thought he came. That's not why he came. There was more going on than just what meets the eye. And I think that's got everything to do with our lives as well. No matter where we find ourselves today, I want you to know that there's more going on in your life than just what you can see. This is the word I've felt in my heart all week long as I have prepared for this message. I believe that there are many of us listening right now who have given up hope on our sex lives or the lack thereof. I believe that there are people who are listening to me right now and you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, there's no hope for me. I'm too old. I'm washed up. I'm past my, my prime. I, I've got baggage. I'm too far gone. My marriage is too far gone. I'm damaged goods. No one would want me. I might as well just give up. And I think that Jesus would say to you today, if that's the perspective that you're taking on your life and on your sex life, you're thinking far too small. There's more going on in your life than just what you can see. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. I believe that there are many who have come into this place and you are listening today and you look around the circumstances of your life, your relational life, and you've all but given up hope. That relationship that you dreamt of, that, that thing that you desired, you've all but given up. And can I just encourage you that we serve a God who's not given up on you, on that area of your life, on that relational zone of your life. God's not given up.
there's more going on in you and in that relationship or lack of one than meets the eye. The second thing I want us to see is just that. I think we've got to see that Jesus came to bring us hope. That's why Jesus came into Jerusalem that day to bring us hope. I mean, honestly, let's, let's ask the question. What was everybody so excited about? I mean, this wasn't the first time that prophets and religious leaders had come into Jerusalem. I mean, this wasn't the first time that, that somebody made an appearance. I mean, it is Jerusalem. It is the holy city. Certainly there are religious figures who come and go. Well, what's the big deal? Why all the fanfare? Why all the press? Why all the deal? What's so different about this prophet from all of the other prophets? Well, quite honestly, Jesus was the first prophet who showed up who by and large had a message of hope. Let me see if I can unpack that a little bit historically for us. Up until this time, every religious leader that would arise on the scene basically had like a message that was a whole bunch of negatives and then a little bit of positive right at the end. And so these religious leaders were historic, were notorious for showing up and declaring their message of, ur, 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 ur. oh yeah, and God's going to save you one day. And people were, quite frankly, worn out by that. They're going, man, I can't live by the rules. I can't live by all the regulations. I'm just, I'm tired of all of this. Until Jesus... And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene and he has a hint of redemption in his voice. All of a sudden, this, this Jesus, this prophet from Nazareth, this religious leader, he, he, he shows up on the scene. And the reason people kept coming back, the reason they were so intrigued by his message is because Jesus came to present a whole new way of living life, a life that doesn't have to be lived under rules and regulations and obligations and guilt and fear and shame and condemnation. A life, Jesus said, that can be lived more abundantly. This abundant life, this, this hope-filled life, this redemptive life. That's why Jesus came. To offer that kind of hope. And so this morning, the second thing I think we've got to recognize is that Jesus came to offer us hope. And I believe that's for every area of our lives, including our sex lives. Jesus has come to bring us hope. But let's be honest. Culture's doing a pretty good job of screwing people up today, isn't it? And there's no real solid indicator that that's going to change anytime soon. Hollywood's not trying to make changes. I mean, the government may try and step in. But let's be real honest. The culture's screwing people up pretty bad. Parents, we got a big job ahead of us. Teachers and educators, you have an uphill battle. And unfortunately, when it comes to issues like this, the culture is not very good at just, like, self-correcting. I mean, this thing's been, like, on a downhill slide since the early 50s. That's the culture we live in. But, and this is a big but, I love that Jesus' message didn't 
change, no matter which direction the culture was pointing. Check this out. Palm Sunday. Jesus comes in to Jerusalem. They love him. The culture's like, Jesus, save, you rock, yeah, woo! Five days later, they're nailing him to a cross. The culture's message in five days goes from, you're the best thing since sliced bread. We don't really use a lot of leaven in our bread, but you're still the best thing. Come on. Don't make me bring the band out, all right? (laughs) We will sing more fishing songs. I don't even like to fish. Can you imagine an ADD guy like me fishing? I tried to fish on Friday, but I'm too scared to put the real-life shrimp on the hook. It kind of grosses me out. So I bought these fake shrimp at Walmart, and I'm, I'm all like on my dock fishing, you know. You can't catch anything with fake shrimp on there. That's why ADD kids, okay? There's nothing worse for an ADD kid than to put them in a boat in the middle of a lake (laughs) and have your dad sitting there going, now be quiet for a long time. That's not fun. That's not a sport. That's not recreation. That's punishment. And that's my world. So where was I? Where am I now? Right now, actually, I'm hungry. What's going on? (laughs) for fish let's go get grouper sandwiches Um, (laughs) stop okay come on wait Jesus message wasn't swayed got it (laughs) at the beginning of the week wait 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 wait. don't no 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 okay watch in five days time the culture's message shifts from loving Jesus and what he's got to say to hating him so much that they put him on the cross. And when given the choice of taking him down and letting him go free versus Barabbas, who was a proven, guilty, convicted, convict guy, the culture chooses Barabbas. Are you kidding me? The culture's message changed that drastically in five days. And yet, notice, even though the culture's message changed from clear over here to clear over here, Jesus' message never changed. didn't matter what the culture was doing. Jesus' message, though it wasn't popular, remained the same. There is hope for your life. There is hope for every area of your life. And so can I just encourage all of us as we wrap up this series today that it doesn't matter what the culture's message is. The message of our Creator, the message of our Savior is greater than the message that sways back and forth in our culture. It's greater. It's greater. That's where I come from. We say, that's good preaching, brother. That's good preaching. Preach it. Can I get an amen? No thermometers, no palms, but an occasional amen. What, what am I? Man, seriously, I need some coffee or something to help me focus. Watch this. The message of God for our sex lives doesn't have to be a popular message for it to still be right. And we need to trust that. We need to hang on to that. Because, see, maybe you're here and you've been abused today. Maybe you're here and you've been 
the victim of abuse or you've went through just a horrible divorce or a horrible set of circumstances that, quite honestly, you don't even like to think about or talk about. Can I just encourage you that the Master's message for you has not changed? Regardless of what the culture would say, regardless of what you may think in your head, you're not too far gone. You're not beyond hope. You're not beyond redemption. There is hope for you, Jesus would say. That's the message of our God, and it has not and it will not change, regardless of what the culture says. The third thing I think we should notice about Palm Sunday is this. That God gives us hope. And the hope that He gives is for a greater life. Watch. When Jesus died on the cross, He elevated humanity to a place that we had not been since Adam and Eve were in the garden. A place of intimacy and relationship with God that consumed every part of who they were. Every part of their being, Adam and Eve, before they fell, before they gave in to the voices of the culture, before they went with the direction of the world. They were at such a place of intimacy and relationship with God and with one another. And quite honestly, humanity had not been restored to that place since, since before Adam and Eve fell. But when Jesus came on the scene, He restored us. Fallen, sinful, broken humanity to that place with God again. See, from the time of Adam and Eve's fall to the time of Jesus, mankind had been trying to figure out how to fix itself. So mankind had been wandering through the world trying to figure out how to, how to fix itself, how to make itself good enough, how to live right, how to follow rules, how to follow all the regulations and the obligations and all of that stuff to, to work our way back to God. Mankind spent thousands and thousands of years trying to fix itself. And to this day continues to try and do that. I just, I just got to be a good person. I just got to make better decisions. I just got to be nicer to my dog. I just got to, no, 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 stop trying to fix yourself. And Jesus shows up on the scene on Palm Sunday with a message of hope that says, listen, stop trying to fix yourself and let me fix you. I can fix the problem, not just for a few, not just for a small sect in Jerusalem that day. I have the ability to fix the problem for the entire planet past, present, and future, which includes us. The message of God on Palm Sunday that I think has everything to do with our lives and specifically our sexual lives is that God has desired for us to live a greater life, to live in relationship with Him. Today's rally day, and as soon as we're done in here, we're going to dismiss out and so many of you can go to Rally Day, as Caleb mentioned, and get connected. And, and the reason why is because we believe that true life change happens in the context of small groups. This is all great and wonderful and good, and we love our Sunday mornings, and this is cool. But if this is all we have, we're going to miss out on a huge piece of what God has for us. A few months ago, we were in our connection group, my wife and I, and uh, we lead a connection group. And during our time of, of, of prayer together, I, I really felt strongly in my heart as the leader of our group that that God wanted to, to speak encouraging words to people. Um, the Bible calls that a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a spiritual gifting that flows in once a while. 
And so as we're praying in our connection group, in this small setting, we, we pray for a couple in our group, and, and I really felt like I would encourage them with a word that God had placed in my heart, like word pictures. And so we were praying for one couple in our group, and as we were praying for them, I, I just I sensed this picture that they were headed down a road, a, a journey, that God was about to lead them on a path where they would need to stay close to Jesus. And the picture I saw was like Jesus walking this path. And this couple, I, the, the way I described it to them was that they needed to like grab a hold of the back of Jesus' shirt and just put their face right there. And just, you got to be that close to Jesus. That, that whatever stress, whatever pressure, whatever uh, situation you're going to be facing in the coming days, I, I felt strongly that this was the word for them. That... They needed to get that close to Jesus in order to make it through it. If Jesus would turn, they'd be able to turn. That no, matter what, no matter where they go, no matter what Jesus, that Jesus would lead, and that you just get, just get in his shirt. Just stay there. You don't have to see what's going on. You don't even have to know all the details. You just need to know that I'm in the back of Jesus' shirt and he's leading us. I felt like that was a real word for them. And could it be this morning... That is exactly how God would desire for each one of us to live our lives as well. As we conclude this series in the sexual zones of our lives, but in every area of our lives, that we would put our face in the back of the shirt of Jesus and we would follow him that close, that tight. And if he makes the slightest little nudge or the slightest little jolt, that we'd just be able to jolt and nudge with him. He would be our protector. He would be our leader. He would be our guide through whatever road and path He wants to take our lives on. So as we conclude this morning, I want to ask you a question. Two questions. How close are you to Jesus' shirt? Are you close? Are you following him? Maybe you're here today and you're not following Jesus at all. And that's okay. Fantastic. You're in the right place. Because I'm going to give you an opportunity to come up close to Jesus right now. This is a chance for, for us to cross that line and say, okay, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to be the leader of my life. Because see, the leader's the guy out in front. And the guy out in front's the one that always gets pelted. So believe me when I say it's better to navigate through the journey called our life with Jesus out in front than us out in front. So that when the attacks come, when the arrows come, when the bullets come, when life hits us from every side, Jesus is the one taking it. And we're just right here. So if you need to follow Jesus, if you've never crossed over that line and said, yes, you know what, I need to acknowledge that the way I've been living my life on my own for myself is not working for me. This is your moment. You can do that. And I'm going to lead us in prayer here in a couple minutes. But this is your opportunity to say, yeah. And to those of us who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, can I just ask you and challenge you today? How close are you to the back of Jesus' shirt? Because see, some of us like to follow Jesus like this. I can see him. I'm good. He's, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking. All right, cool. We're going to make a left up here. All right, hang on. I got it. I'm cool. And we kind of, don't we? We like that. And we like, it's like, no, me and Jesus, we got a thing. We got the, I know there's some distance between us, but it's cool. I, we can, I, can, I can see him every Sunday, 9.40. I get it. Coffee and donuts. Kids, kids don't open. I can see him. I got my thing. I got, no, no, no. It's cool. And I realize I'm not as close to Jesus as I could be. But you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Are you? 
Are you? What if the road becomes rocky? What do we do now? See, I would I think that what God would want for us today as his followers, followers of Jesus, Christians, is to come up close into the back of Jesus' shirt with a desire in our heart that says, Jesus, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want life to look like, I'm right there. I'm going to follow you. I'm just, I just got to stay in your back. As Travis comes out to lead us in that song, Surrender Again, of worship, just for a few more minutes this morning as we close, can I challenge you to consider two thoughts? Number one, are you as close to the back of Jesus' shirt as you need to be? And question number two that I would challenge you with today, where have you given up hope? For some of us, it's in our sexuality, the relational zone of our life. And we look on and we go, you know what? There's no hope. I'm, I'm past it. I've missed it. I'm damaged goods. I got baggage. It's never going to happen for me. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too out of shape. I'm too far gone. And I believe as we close this series that God's word for you would be, no, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope. The reason Jesus came is for hope of a greater life. Don't give up hope. You keep clinging because God is up to something way bigger than just what meets your eye right now. He's up to something way bigger. But speaking more generally for all of us, Are there places of your life where you've given up hope? Maybe for some of us who are struggling, as we talked about, with sexual temptation and pornography or addiction last week, maybe you've given up hope and you've said, no, 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 I might as well just forget it. There's no way I could ever break free of this. I gave you an email last week, men at nextlevelchurch.com, M-E-N, men at nextlevelchurch.com. Would you email me this week? There's still hope. Believe me, there's hope. God wants you to live in wholeness. You can find that kind of hope. Maybe for the married couple who's here and you've given up hope, don't give up. There's hope for you. For the single person, there's hope for you. For each one of us, for every zone of our lives, there's hope. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, you see right now, seated where we are, the need for us to cling to hope. God, you see where so many of us have given up our hope. Father, right now we come to you and we just lay our open heart before you. We say, Jesus, I don't feel like I have any hope. That doesn't mean that I don't. Help me to have hope today. As we sing and worship you, God, fill our hearts and our minds.